Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talk series here at the Abbey. Two theatre makers, both alike in dignity, Isol Golden and David Horan, sit down with me to talk through their production of Class, which is currently enjoying a sold-out run on the Peacock stage. In this podcast, which is the second of two, writer and director Isol Golden talk with me about school days, improvising on the page, and sending the audience home with food for thought. Enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series, Isol Golden. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Can you recall what your first day of school was like? Oh, um, I have a few memories of school. I have one memory of, I was in Irish school for a while, but we didn't speak Irish at home, and I think I found that a little challenging, and I had a teacher I was very scared of. Uh, This isn't my first day, but this is my school memory. Um, And so I was kicking up tantrums about not wanting to go in, but I was nonetheless being brought in. Um, and I had a fear of this teacher, which was as much about anticipation as, as, a, as the reality. So my mum drags me in to the second class teacher, who I, I found a bit scary. Then I obviously spent the morning absolutely fine. Um, my mum comes in at the break with um, a chocolate bar for me. And I'm going, great, a chocolate bar, but why? And she's going, because you were so upset going in. And I was <laughs> completely forgotten <laughs> that I was that upset and was clearly perfectly happy at that point. So yeah, the difference between anticipation and reality. Then I did move schools and um, I was happier in the next school, possibly for language reasons. We spoke English at home, I spoke English in school. And my main memory of that school, the first year, was telling an elaborate lie about how I'd been to see the Pope and how he'd shaken my hand and all this, and only because I hadn't been to see the Pope, but my brother had, and I felt very left out. Needless to say, she saw through the lie completely and informed my mother that I was (laughs) making this up. What well, what were your report cards like? What were they like going home? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I think I was quite a dutiful student. Um, academics were important in my family, so they would. My parents would have been watching that. They both came from. Well, my dad came from teachers, and my mum was very interested in education. Um, so it would have been something that was prized. So what was your was there a difference for you in how you felt towards? primary school and secondary like was the education system easy for you or one was one easier than the other between primary and secondary Mm. I think the transition was relatively smooth for me really Um, I I went from one school to the other with friends and I think that meant that just going in was easier Um, and like I say yeah academics were always a thing in my family so I strove to do well I sometimes think I put too much energy into doing well and not much, as much energy into extracurricular activities um, so that I narrowed myself. Uh, I think looking back, I would have liked a broader education and I'm quite sort of enamoured with these schools where students follow their own needs and their own tastes. That just seems like the opposite of my education. Um, so I did quite well in our fairly formalised education system got good exam results, spent too much time getting good exam results, to be honest, but anyway. Um, but I had some great friends and did some drama, which is where my, my love of drama started. Um, yeah, I was in Muckers Park College and some of the sixth years were actually teaching the first and second years drama, and uh, that was wonderful. And did you have a favourite teacher back then? Um, there was a male teacher called Mr Maloney who... who taught Irish and he was quite exciting he was a little bit unpredictable and liable to say bold things Um, so he was probably a bit of a favourite yeah 
So you mentioned uh, uh, drama in secondary school. Mm. Was that the, the moment that you, or was there a moment that you decided that actually uh, this acting malarkey, I can do this, I can make a, a career out of this? I remember the moment I fell in, in love with the stage, but I didn't believe that acting was something I could go off and do. Um, I went to see a musical with my parents and um, the, the lead, and you get your gun, the lead had laryngitis and they'd shipped someone up from an amateur production in Waterford who was absolutely stunning. My memory of her was that she was charismatic and relaxed and amazing and I just thought she was the most wonderful thing I'd ever seen. And I went away saying to my parents, you have to bring me back. So I was about 11 or 12. Um, so that's when I, I saw theatre and went, oh wow, that's amazing. And then I went on and I wanted to do drama and I did drama and we made some shows up in school which were great fun and like truly bizarre and absurd and wonderfully weird. Um, and I starred in um, Oliver as Nancy. So I was, I was steeped in it to a degree. But it sometime in sixth year, I kind of thought, I suppose I could do this because I came up through scientists and teachers and I just never thought, I didn't have actors and writers and people like that really in my family, well, not in my immediate family. Uh, I never thought of something I could do. Um, so it was a real case of not having the models uh, to think that this is something that could be for me. And so I had this little epiphany where I was going, I don't have to do science and get really good marks on my maths. I could go off and do acting, even though even then I knew it was probably an uncertain, unpredictable, um, you know, dangerous career. But that is essentially what I went off and did. I mean, I, I went to college and I went to UCD and I did English and philosophy. Oh, you went to college um, first, I suppose, to get a real degree before you went to exactly, drama school. Exactly that. But I marched right in and joined Dramsock as soon as I could. So my priorities were clear um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I signed up for law <clears throat> and left after three weeks, just finding it so very dry and thinking, I can't do three years of this. Uh, so I did English and philosophy, which was the opposite of dry and was wonderful. But now I'm fascinated by the law. So, you know swings and roundabouts um, but I spent a lot of time doing dram sock and had a great time. So having done dram sock and then continue so what was the decision that after dram sock you said right okay, I'm going to go to to Gaty School of Acting for training was that that was the two-year training course? Back exactly then? yeah and um, so which I asked David this question yesterday I suppose um, which did you learn more at you know on the job or within that um, drama school system? Yeah, that's a really good question. And honestly, I don't, I don't have a clear answer. I, I learned skills. I had a great time in drama school and a scary time. Am I good enough? Can I do this? Um, I probably had more out and out fun in drama sock and I learned how a theatre works and how lights go up and, and rehearsals. Um, so I learned different things. And I do remember coming out of drama school feeling definitely more adept, um, but still not ready. So I went off and I looked for, I did corn exchange workshops and I went to London and lived there for six months and did amazing workshops there and watched amazing performances. And um, it wasn't until I created, you may be about to ask me this, but it wasn't until I'd begun to create my own work that I began to feel in charge of performance. And I had done shows before that and relatively successfully. Um, I did The Mayor of Casterbridge. I did a show called When the Wall Came Down, which did really well. Um, and I'm still proud of those performances, but I was an uncertain actor going, am I getting it right for those performances? That never goes completely away, but I felt much more confident after 
creating and working on a performance that I had an ownership of, that I'd been part of creating. So just for me, the journey of learning how to act came through Dramsock, came through the Gaiety School, came through more workshops, seeing performances, doing performances, but really fell into place when I was able to perform characters I had a hand in creating. So where did you get the most confidence, or where did you gain the most confidence from? Because obviously Dramsock gave you the confidence to go forward mm. for the, the Gaiety School, and then did the Gaiety School um, provide you with enough, I suppose, business acumen to be able to survive in the show business part of it all? Did um, they prepare you for that? There, there certainly were classes directed at that a bit, but um, it was not something that I felt particularly good at. I think, I think we're preparing people better for that in the last 10 years than we were when I was coming up. Um, I was a bit ad hoc about it. I was certainly sending out CVs, but I wasn't very good at having conversations with people um, in terms of forwarding myself. Um, like Meetings were nightmares. Would you like to have a meeting with this director? And I'm going, can I just do an audition? What's a meeting? <laughs> so selling yourself as an actor was difficult? Yes. Which would make sense. But you do have to have such a hard neck. Um, and mm. I do think that the gosh, I'm going to say that the, the most recent graduates in the last 10 years seem to have that confidence that back in the day, I suppose we weren't yeah, yeah. entitled to or something, do you Absolutely. know? Absolutely, yeah. No, it took me a long time to think I was walking into a room as anything like an equal. Um, I felt like I was, you know, just about getting in the door and barely worthy. Spent a lot, far too much time feeling that. Yeah, it took me a long time to feel more equal. So when you started creating your own work, that was at... Uh, or within Inish Theatre Company. Can you tell yes. us about the, I suppose, the seeds of that? Um, so it was after I came back from London and one of my best friends from drama school, Carmel Stevens, and we'd done work in drama school and really enjoyed working with each other and had become close friends. Um, she found, she had this book called The World's Wife by Caroline Duffy, the extraordinary Caroline Duffy. Uh, and these are just the spiciest, most wonderful monologues, poetic monologues for women. Um, so uh, she had this and... and I think it was originally Carmel's idea to dramatise this as a show that we could do together and give us really great parts. And we went looking for a director and we'd seen David's work uh, in ecstasy, I think it was. Um, and so we all got together and put this show on. And it went really well and we had a really great time making it. And that gave us the confidence then to adapt our next piece, which was Lady Susan by Jane Austen. So when did the 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 weight, I suppose, of all those hats you're wearing. When did it slide over to the writer and director? Because it seemed for years there, you know, I, I would have known you as an actor. Mm. And then you, it seemed that you went into, you know, being much more of a theatre maker. Was that a conscious decision for you to take a break from acting? Or did you take a break from acting? Or did life just get in the way? I did take a break from acting. I'd always been really interested in directing, actually. And that was always something I wanted to do. I had never thought of writing, whereas now that's actually top of my list. But I suppose for acting, I had an event. Um, I was doing Take My Box in Edinburgh, let's say, the short version of the story, and I got an anxiety attack, and I got stage fright. And I have gone on stage, I so I did the whole month in Edinburgh, which is a tough month, even if you're having a good time. I did the whole month in Edinburgh getting more and more severe stage fright doing this show and it's a very full-on show there's just two of us where it's quite fast and furious which may be why there may have been a level of exhaustion that led to this anxiety attack because it, it's not something that had ever happened to me before and it was quite specifically related to the show it didn't um wasn't something that was happening in the rest of my life at all um 
and still is related to performance for me on stage. I think I've been on stage a few times since and it's never felt the same. So I took a decision or I was forced to take a decision to step away from the stage. After that experience, mm. how did you begin then to even try and tackle it to, so that you went back on stage after that? Was there, you said you didn't feel the same. Was that because in those, moment, in those moments you weren't in that moment because you were thinking, am I gonna have an anxiety attack? Yeah, that's, that's a very good description of it actually. You're no longer in the flow. You can get in the flow for a short amount of time, but um, you're no longer in the flow and there's, there's, there's fears mounting up either severely or not severely depending, going, will I be able to remember my lines? Will I get to the end of the show? Oh, I'm feeling a bit scared now. So anxious thoughts interrupting the joy of acting. And if I can't have the joy of acting, I mean, there's always a certain amount of adrenaline. Um, but at the moment, I haven't gone back to the stage for about six years now. Um, and I miss it. I miss acting in general. I mean, I'm, I absolutely haven't ruled out either going back onto the stage or screen, which might feel a bit more comfortable because you can stop. Um, and I even love voiceover work. So I love all of the stuff of acting still. Um, but because that happened, I moved, I consciously moved away and began to focus on these other things, which include teaching, which include writing, which include a little bit of directing. So when you write, do you, you know, do you place yourself in, in that part because you have all that acting experience? Hugely. Yeah, I think I write using the skills of an actor. So the skills of a writer, I've, I'm improving, so I, I can shape the scene as I go, but I am essentially improvising as an actor on the page on some level. Um, maybe to, would you mind talking a little bit about, I suppose, when you first started writing or when you, you gained, when you had that confidence in your writing or that you knew that something you were writing was, was good? Yeah. I'm incredibly proud of Lady Susan, actually. It's one of the shows I, I loved creating with Carmel and David and another woman, Aoife Monks. But I didn't really think of myself as a writer after that. It was such a group task. We improvised, we put stuff on the page, we had a source material. So I think it was in Tick My Box, we also improvised and then put stuff down that we'd worked on and shaped it. But we wrote some scenes by ourselves. And it was then that I thought, oh, that scene works. And that was me having fun writing it. So that was my first kind of sense of, I might be able to do this. Um, so it was in Tick My Box writing for some of the characters in that show. I tried to get the answer um, out of David yesterday about how you write together. Um, mm. I, I still, I suppose, scratch my head about it, but how do you write together? I mean, you go off with one idea, come back to the table and say, this is where I think this character is going to go or the story is going to go. Will, will you? You talked to me, I suppose, about even uh, about Tick My Box and about how, how you wrote together. That was a really actor-led thing, um, although we absolutely needed an outside eye and David to kind of begin to steer us into where the narratives might go and, and how it was working. Um, so we would improvise around this very s simple but effective idea. This is a night of speed dating and there's a bunch of people doing it. Um, we'd improvise around it using commedia skills and then we would put those scenes on the page and then gradually as we had more and more we began to look at how this might all fit together. And we're learning as we went and we also did a reading for some people at some point and got some feedback and then put it all together. So that was quite a, an ensemble affair. Um, and then down the line, David and I, we've adapted original material, so that tends to give you a structure, or you maybe do need to find a new structure, 
but you, you've got something quite significant that you're bouncing off. Um, and then for class, we started with actor workshops, which gave us a lovely kickoff. Um, but we used various things. So sometimes, and for quite a while, we did write in the room together. So discovering how a scene might go together, discovering where we wanted to take it, discovering together how actors might, how they, where they might lead us, where they might go. And then we got a really good piece of advice from um, Graham Wybrow, actually, as we were trying to move the script forward, saying maybe working together, you're reaching consensus too quickly in a scene. So why don't you work apart for a bit? And actually, that was really interesting as well. So we'd go off and write different sections or even sometimes the same section and then come back and send them to each other, respond or go back into a room and respond. And that led to some interesting fights because you're always going to defend your own material and probably like it better until you're able to look at it long enough and stand back and go, OK, what's serving the play and the wider issue? And with class, I think one thing that was really helpful was that we both knew quite clearly what our base interest preoccupation was around we had our we had our location we had our parent teacher meeting and we knew it was about relationship to authority and how that serves us well or badly um, and that was a guiding light that meant that ultimately we were able to make decisions even if we were tussling over exactly how they were going to go that we were able to make decisions because we knew what it was we wanted to be talking about. As a writer, do you have to be careful about certain subject matters? And is there a responsibility with some of that material? Yeah. Do, you, do you write with that in mind? Yes, especially when it's a territory that you don't feel like is yours. Um, like, I've had a, a relatively middle-class upbringing. Um, I am very interested in relationship to authority. I'm interested as a woman because I think women have a different relationship to authority than men, speaking generally. So writing, let's call so-called working class characters, I was nervous that I would serve them badly or in a cliched sense. So that was just something that was always a self-questioning about. I also have been working on a play that's not been produced and it's a, around the issue of the cover-up abuse of abuse in the church. And that's not my subject either, but I just was moved to write about it um, and I'm still nervous about how I'm handling that and I want I haven't had a chance to, to to test it and to ask people is this right is this correct but I, I absolutely feel I must it's curious isn't it that you know of all the things I suppose that people can be sensitive about I mean I'm even conscious of my vocabulary about uh, about class you totally. know um, one of the few talks that I was at over the years, one of the few talks that I saw, you know, people standing up and shouting at the speaker was um, a talk about class. All the things that can make you hot under the collar, it really surprised me. But then it's the writer's role. You have to imagine yourself into yeah. other places, yeah. But I suppose you also have to, like, I, I absolutely think about this and I don't have answers for it. You have to be able to tell whatever story you want, presumably. But you also have to try and tell it sensitively um, and with some care so uh, every every new project is going to throw that up somehow I suppose I'm always harping on about here uh, to anyone that listen about how I want um, theatre to reach me 
Mm. You know, I want to see myself on stage or I want it to speak to me in some way. But it's funny, when I saw a class, I, um, I was surprised that it reached me. Mm. And, uh, and then I spent my time on the walk home telling myself that, was, that it was just a play. It was just a play. So I had to distance myself um, from some of the decisions you made for some of the characters yeah. in that. Um, are there, is there any character in class that you, you think may capture your voice most? Yes. Oh, well, no, not just one. Um, I have definitely got a bit of the teacher in me. Um, I come from teachers and I can hear it. So sometimes, having written sections of Mr. McCafferty, I'll feel it, find myself saying something and I go, oh my God, that's Mr. McCafferty. <laughs> it's funny, of, of, of all the characters, um, Mr. McCafferty has that um, veneer that I feel... Uh, protects him but also might um, diminish his vulnerability or something uh, mm. you mean he's got a way of of operating in the world where he can be safe uh, as a teacher I suppose mm. uh, what he says to the pupils is a certain way but uh, I guess the other characters get to reveal so much more but he has this professional veneer I suppose yeah. that he has to yeah he does have know, to most of the time yeah the other person I have that I really relished writing sometimes was Brian because I get it you know and and you might have thought I would say Donna but no I, I loved writing Donna but Brian was the one I found rich and I liked to investigate to think through how he's how he's feeling trapped you know so yeah he so, so strangely it's those two um, that I, I probably maybe connected with most. I love all of our characters, to be honest. I've got a soft spot for Kaylee in particular um, and a sadness about where we leave her as well. So can you ever sit back and enjoy a play? Of my own? No, of other uh, people's actually, yeah. I probably set a bit of a high bar. I think most people in theatre do. I think, in fact, we can set be very snobby about our own tastes and dismiss stuff too easily um but but when i see good theater there's nothing like it so yes i absolutely can and even when i see a play that's half brilliant and then isn't all the way brilliant i still really enjoy that especially if it's new to me so yes i absolutely can enjoy theater probably more than anything else when it's really really good how do you manage it when you when you're not pleased with it or when you're you know frustrated with it I can be a bit harsh, yeah, um, and a little frustrated, yeah, just, just that, really. Um, I know how hard it is to make theatre, so, but, but I also love when someone makes something really dangerous or interesting or that surprises me and, or that's just excellent. I just love the transformative ability of theatre that I can sit in a room and you can take me on a journey and it's live and it's in front of me because I love it on TV too. I love a great story, um, but when, you, when it's right there, it is... It is special. So theatre is my favourite medium at the moment. Can you tell me then about the was the hard slog of getting class to the Abbey? Well, I suppose it's taken you years to create class. So is there a significance of, of bringing it here to the Abbey Theatre? There's two. One is I'm so glad this story came to the Abbey Theatre because when we found, 
when we got to the point where we felt class was working and doing what we wanted it to do, it felt like the kind of story that we'd love to see on more stages around this country and also this stage, the National Theatre. Um, we just felt we'd made a piece that was that broad, that big, um, which is not every piece. But, um, and the other thing is just personal satisfaction. It's amazing to be here. I'm delighted to be here and really proud that we got here. Um, and it, it did take ages, mainly because we just had a living to make and other projects to do. But I think the slow process of creating class just meant that we gradually layered it. Perhaps the time it took, in this instance anyway, helped to complicate it as much as it is. You know. What effect on an audience do you want class to have? Like, how do you want, how do you want them to go home feeling? Um, like they've had a good meal, I suppose, and I love when people talk about it or recognize one character in particular and, and take something of that, of seeing, of, of feeling like, oh, you've, you've gotten something about me or about someone I know. That's really satisfying. Um, and I love to hear an audience laughing and then going on the journey with the characters when it gets more serious um, and moved by it. And then as well, when people come out and they just spot the things we've done. Sometimes just structurally, like there's more than two kids in that classroom. We see Donna and, and Brian as kids and we see Jaden and Kaylee as kids. And it's all of that, you know, everyone's got that kid at heart. And when do, when, when are we grown up and when are we kids? Because we're kids in all sorts of situations. And I personally love that fact. So just when people spot all those things and talk to you about it, it's, it's just really nice to feel like we've created a work in which the layers are evident and, and recognizable and you can talk about them. Mm -hmm.